0: everybody and welcome to a really wonderful edition of Coach's Corner. I love this interview with Madison Taylor. I'll tell you more about her in a moment. One of the many reasons I love it is because I know it's going to help so many of you. Anxiety, depression, physical ailments are something that comes up a lot on the show and also something that so many of you write to me about. I get so many Instagram and Facebook and email messages about how you're struggling with anxiety or a health problem or a lot of you with depression. And this interview with Madison is going to offer you so much hope and it's going to help you feel not alone. So soak it in, relish it, and allow Madison's story to inspire you and also remind you that you can get to the other side of whatever challenge you're dealing with. So this is an incredibly intimate conversation. Like I said, you'll feel so much hope and reassurance. So Madison Taylor is the co-founder and editor-in-chief of the popular inspirational website and daily newsletter, Daily Om, um, and is responsible for all of its content. She's a recognized leader in self-help and new thought spirituality. She has more than 20 years of experience in personal development and alternative healing. She's contributed to national publications and is a popular guest on many shows, Hay House published her international best-selling books, Daily Om, Inspirational Thoughts for a Happy, Healthy, and Fulfilling Day, and Daily Om: Learning to Live. Check out her new book, Unmedicated, and we'll link to that in the show notes, which, which is a gentle and accessible step-by-step guide to moving from excessive reliance on medications to fundamentally healing yourself through the four pillars of natural wellness. So, on to my wonderful talk with Madison Taylor. Madison, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Christine. It's an honor.
0: Well, we were just talking before we started recording that we both kind of got our start in 2004. I started coaching and you started Daily OM, which I described in the intro. So we've we've been around the block a few times and I shared with Madison, I want to share with the audience that Daily OM was one of my first resources. But 2004, there wasn't as much out there as there is now in terms of places you could go for online courses and information about growing spiritually and, and meditation and, and personal growth. So thank you. Thank you for starting Daily Om. It's been a big part of, of my growth.
1: That just warms my heart so much. I can't even tell you. I never tire of hearing that. And that's really you know, why my husband and I started Daily Om was to help shift the planet. So thank you for being a reader.
0: Yes, 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 yes. And we may circle back to that. Uh, but I want to dive into one of the biggest myths about personal growth, because this I think is probably a pet peeve of both of ours. And it's something I talk about on the show a lot, that all you need to do is make a vision board and dream your life and have some awareness and poof, things will come to you. <laughs> so can, can we talk about why awareness and just thinking about things is not enough?
1: Absolutely. Yes. And not to discount those things, of course, and of course. your readers know this, because it's a really, really important, I think, first step. It gets people to take action. And a big part of my platform is thoughts alone will not change your life, but adding actions into the equation will. And the reason for that, without getting too weird about it, is we live in a 3D world, right? You can pinch yourself and you say, ouch, right? You can reach out and touch your cup of coffee and it's physically there. We don't live in a 5D world. So we need to uh, follow the rules of a 3D universe. And that is taking action. And that's when the shift will happen is when you take action. So thoughts alone, thoughts alone aren't enough. And like I said, I really want to drive home the point. I don't want to discount all the work people are doing with their vision boards and all of that, because I think that is a wonderful introductory first step And that. That is an action step, but we then need to take it a step further. Well, I, I agree. And
0: I think that visioning and visualizing and people know that listen to the show. I, I support that so enthusiastically. But what I have found, especially when people really get into the manifestation personal growth world is that becomes a comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a comfort zone to sit and, and we're in, we're in a new year. So this is the time when people are writing down their goals and 2018 is going to be the year and they've got their whiteboards and that is wonderful. And like you said, it is mm-hmm. an action step. But what I see so often happens is people stay in that, but something prevents them from taking the action. Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. do you think that is? What's, what's stopping the people from actually taking a step?
1: Well, it's fear and self-sabotage, pick your poison, right? Mm -hmm. And probably, and probably a little bit of both. I actually personally do not make new year's resolutions or do that goal list in January because I feel like, I can make a change in my life in any moment, in any day, of any second. It doesn't have to be January 1st or it doesn't have to be a Monday, right? We can do it right. at any time. And But I do, again, neither one of us are saying anything bad about that process because it's it's super important to some people. But we do fall into that safety. Oh, I've written it on paper, so it's done. I don't need to do anything else with it. And I think... That's a really important part of the manifesting rule is that, um, you don't gloat about what you've planned because then you tend to not do it because in your mind, having written it down and having thought about it is enough for you and you get comfortable with that and you think, Oh, okay, I've done it. When in actuality you haven't, you've planted a seed, but you haven't gone further And what is needed at that point is additional introspection. Okay, I've written it down. I feel comfortable with it. I'm not doing anything else. Why? And that is the big question you need to answer. And doing that in meditation or journaling is a good way to find out what is stopping you. And -hmm. if you can take someone, let's say, I want to lose 10 pounds. A lot of people have that on their list. So they write it down, but then... (gasps) you know, that gasp happens when they think about actually doing it, it scares them because they need to make a change in their life. And people are scared of change, understandably, because it's going to rock your world. Um, So, but the fear is different for everybody, right? Everyone has fear, but it takes a different um, shape for everybody. So that's when everyone's personal writing and journaling time really comes into play um, to find out, okay, what is it for me personally that is causing this fear to bubble up?
0: Do you have any suggestions in terms of of prompts that people can use in writing and journaling to help them get to the root of the fear or the self-sabotaging behavior?
1: You know, I think a lot of people like me feel it in their body and so one of the great prompts that I there's so many out there but one that I really love that I don't see too often is where in my body do I feel this Mm -hmm. and nine times out of ten we're all going to feel it kind of down in our gut like our first three chakras like our stomach our intestines because that's where fear lives and so asking where do I feel this in my body and what does it feel like and and if I were to start X today, it's whether it's your diet or exercise regime or meditation regime, regime, if I do start it, what does that feel like to me? What does that mean for me in my life? And just start slowly peeling away the onion, right? The proverbial Mm -hmm. onion layer, Mm -hmm. peeling it back. And just reassure yourself, I'm safe in this moment. I'm with my journal on my sofa with my cup of tea. I'm safe. I'm just looking. Reassure your body. I'm just looking right now. It's okay. Because I know the fear can be so great that people can be even scared to go there and write it down. So just reassure yourself, I'm safe. Mm.
0: Was there ever a time in your life where there was something that you wanted, even if you didn't know the exact form, but you could feel it, you could feel the impulse, you could feel the longing, and you came up against fear or self-sabotaging behaviors? And if so, would you mind sharing about it and how you got to the other side of it?
1: Well, um, since my very early childhood, I've been riddled with anxiety and suicidal thoughts and and stress and started it. my panic attacks started at a very early age so i i very much understand this arena and i got to the point where i was agoraphobic and wouldn't leave my house mm-hmm. so that for me was a huge deal and so i made myself a little deal with my body that on day 1 i would just step outside my door and that was big for me and i did it and on day 2 i would walk to the end of my driveway and on day three I would go outside the gate and pretty soon within a month I was out walking around the block and I know to some people that sounds absolutely absurd that they couldn't even face walking around the block but that's how debilitated I was I was sick depressed full of anxiety highly medicated and that to me was everything to be able to get around the block and so that's what I did. I really was gentle with myself, and I didn't berate myself, and I set up little action steps every day that I could do that were inside my comfort zone, but also slightly outside my comfort zone. And everyone can make a plan for themselves like that. It'll look different for everybody, but it's um, it's really accessible to everyone. Just plan it. Within your comfort zone, but taking a step outside your comfort zone as well. For instance, I wouldn't have said on day one, I'm gonna walk a mile away from my house. I I would have never gone outside the door again. So I had to make it really feasible and accessible um, to do for myself.
0: Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that, because a lot of our listeners deal with anxiety and depression. Um, and even suicidal thoughts and, and panic attacks. It's something mm-hmm. that comes up a lot on the show. Um, do you have a sense of, of where that came from, from, for you and for the people that are so in it <laughs> that mm-hmm. feel like they may not get to the other side of it, um, that it's just mm-hmm. who they are? A-
1: any, any words
0: of wisdom or encouragement that you could offer the people that are really struggling with this?
1: Yes. um, For me, I came from a highly volatile household. My father was probably mentally ill and never was diagnosed. And he was also a rageaholic. So I lived a lot of the time in the closet of my bedroom, trying to escape, you know, his rage. And what that does when you experience trauma as a young person, it shapes and molds your brain, right? You become wired in a certain way. And so I became wired in flight or fight response constantly. And so my adult work was to unwind all of that and retrain my brain and the action steps help retrain my brain. And the other thing I didn't know at the time, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners are highly sensitive people, about 15 to 20% of the population have this trait of high sensitivity. And we tend to be the ones that suffer from panic and anxiety and depression because we are wired just a little different it's like we don't have skin sometimes everything for us is a little more heightened our our senses our sense of sight smell hearing taste and our um, intuitive sense as well and so we get sort of the double whammy unfortunately and so I think understanding that you are built a little bit different and to practice kindness with yourself. I used to be so hard on myself, God, Madison, why can't you just do this? Why can't you Mm -hmm. just go to the, go to the party or go to the grocery store? And I would berate myself for not being able to do the most simple things. And what my body really needed was not that it needed the Mm -hmm. opposite. It needed to hear kind and loving words to myself and when I started doing that, my body started to trust me
0: mm-hmm. and we sort
1: of made a deal. And sometimes I would falter on that because I'm human. Thank God I'm human.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so
1: I I started to really um, infuse myself with kind words, even though it was hard at first. I couldn't look in the mirror and say, I love you. I couldn't mm-hmm. do that for years. So I wouldn't look in the mirror. And so I'd say, Nice things to myself. The at the best I could, whether it was, um, oh, you decorated the house nicely, and that wasn't even about myself, but that was like all I could do to muster up. And so that was a process. So be be gentle on yourself and uh, treat your body with kindness because you're all in this together. Your mind, body, spirit, everything's connected. Everything's listening. So you need to be a team. Yep. Well, and. Your
0: proof of what I discuss so much on this show, which is well two things. often, so many light workers, highly sensitive people, are born into chaos, difficult families, trauma, or just feel like the black sheep of their family mm. because we're in a time of the rise of consciousness. So there's a lot of generational pattern breakers. And also sometimes we have to experience that extreme to um, really, really, tap fully into our gifts, which sounds crazy, but it's like we have to almost know a level of human suffering to step into our work as as healers and light workers on the planet
1: mm. but
0: the, but there's a middle step that's so important that I describe as reparenting ourself, you know mm. being that parent to ourself that we didn't have, and finding that that safe, loving place inside and this is the uh, so key for everyone to understand is that more than any outside counselor that you go to or book that you read or workshop or even meditation to some degree is coming inside yourself and finding that loving compassionate nurturing parental voice inside that can soothe our nervous system and that can take us out of fight or flight and i have found because i relate to what you're saying i have found that The more I do that, the more I'm able to take action. Because what prevents Mm. me from taking action so much is that I'm, I'm time traveling. It's like an eight year old is getting triggered. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That it, that it's not safe. And so, you know, you sound like in so many ways you're on the other side of it. Is it still something that you manage on a, on a daily, monthly, weekly basis?
1: Yes, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. And I I still get triggered. And, you know, I had a baby late in life. I had my son when I was 44. Mm. Thank thank God, because I would have been a horrible parent in my 20s or 30s. And now I can come to parenting um, with a sense of wisdom. And I I mentioned in my book, you know what, I don't think I will ever – be fully healed in this lifetime. And when I say that, that shocks some people. But I think for me personally, because I am a sharer and a teacher and going out and trying to shift the planet that Mm -hmm. I need to have one little toe in it at all times so that I don't forget. Because believe me, if I could I would put it all behind me and move on and do something else. But by having a little toe in it, I still remember what it's like to be suicidal. I still remember what it's Mm -hmm. like to be scared, to not leave the house, to not want to be seen, to not want to live my highest truth. And so I've taken that on. That's sort of my life path. But for other people, they don't have to be that way. I think there's absolutely... Healing to be had fully and completely. And I guarantee that people can shine as brightly as they want to if they just take their action steps. And I so fully agree with the self parenting part of what you said. Um, I don't think a therapist, friends, a book, or even maybe making peace with your parents that were volatile, I think. It's all inside of us. Mm -hmm. You know, we are the Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. It is all inside of us. We have Mm -hmm. the power. We have the power to bloom and be whatever we want to be. And it's only our own fear that is holding us back. And I just, I want to say well done to any listeners that have, really taken on that task of, of digging deep and peeling back the layers because it's not fun. It's it's painful, but the rewards, oh my gosh, the rewards are bliss and beauty. And to be able to really take control of your life is, mm-hmm. it's a wondrous and beautiful thing.
0: It is. Take control of your life and that includes taking control of your health the mental and physical. And you mentioned your book, which is amazing. I love the title, Unmedicated. And I didn't share this with you when we were talking before, but I was put on antidepressants when I was 11. Oh. And it was on them until thirty. In addition, I was also put on hormones. I was taking mm-hmm. imetrex. I took Excedrin every day for twenty-seven years, and my headaches were all in my third eye. Go figure. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I totally relate um, on such a personal level to becoming unmedicated and and rebalancing the body. And you noted in the book that a doctor once said to you, "You're the sickest person I know, and I have no idea what's wrong with you." I mm-hmm. can't even imagine someone saying that. Oh my. God gosh. But I can relate. I can relate to doctors looking at me and just being like, yeah, you're broken. You're going to be on drugs the rest of your life. Oh, gee, mm-hmm. thanks. Gee, mm-hmm. thanks. Thanks for planting that seed. So were you also dealing with with health problems on top of the anxiety and depression?
1: Yes. Oh, uh, lord. Un- unfortunately, um, I got sort of put into that category called chronic fatigue syndrome. So I had, I was, in bed debilitated. At my worst point, my husband, who wasn't even married to me at the time, he had to get me out of bed and bring me to the bathroom. I couldn't even walk. Wow. And so, you know, the name chronic fatigue syndrome, it just sort of people think, oh, you're just overly tired. And and really, it's so much more than that. I had phantom pain in my body. I had weird fevers. I would wake up in night sweats. Um, I had really odd cognitive issues. Like I'd go to the store to buy the toothpaste I've always bought. And I would just look at all the toothpaste and not know what toothpaste to buy. So just like really strange things. And so I had tens and thousands of dollars of tests. And, you know, for the most part, the tests came back normal, you know, nothing to strike fear in a doctor. And so I really love that neurologist that said to me, I don't know what's wrong with you because most doctors wouldn't say that they would just write you a prescription and just, you know, say you have something horrible. And so I really love him for for saying that, but um you know, when he said I don't know what's wrong with you, he wrote me a prescription for Prozac and I said, "But I'm not depressed." And he said, "You know what? It's okay. You are now because you've been so sick and so tired for so long." of course you're depressed. And he didn't say it in a condescending way. He said it in a very loving way. And then I realized, you know what? You're probably right.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and so did you take them for a while? I went and filled the prescription, even though I didn't want to. And Uh the doctor told me, he says, it's going to take 30 days and you're going to feel better. And of course, not knowing I was a highly sensitive person, I took the pill and 20 minutes later, I felt like my brain woke up and yeah. I felt like the little neurons talking to each other and the bridges, you know, connecting. And I said to my husband, Oh my God, like I feel like someone turned the on switch on and it was wonderful. But I think what was happening is I was so depleted, so yeah. utterly depleted that even this low little amount that he had me on just was enough to yeah. make me feel like what was possible. But then, you know, I went, I got on the hamster wheel and. Mm-hmm that just went on for years and years and years the upping the dose because it's not working anymore Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. you get to the maximum dose and then you need to switch medication because then you'll die if you don't and just and then oh well you're feeling this let's add this and then pretty soon you have a cocktail going of medication and um, I just didn't this was before the internet and I just didn't know enough to take control of my own health Mm -hmm. and you know, I did some doctor shopping and I tried psychiatrists and regular doctors and everyone just kept writing me the script. No one really wanted to get to the root of the problem. Why are you depressed in the first place? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what, what ended up being the, well, I don't want to say cure, but the healing, what was the healing?
1: Well, the healing came from me when, I walked into sort of an, I'll call it a new age store for lack of a better Mm -hmm. word. And I saw, you know, this meditation music on the shelf and I heard it playing. I thought, oh, that sounds really nice and relaxing. I could use that. And so I bought a meditation music CD. It wasn't a guided meditation. It was just music. And I started listening to that every day. And that was enough to slow down my brain Mm. to have a bit of awakening be able to happen in me. And that bit of awakening led me to a guided meditation CD. And then I was guided to an acupuncturist and then a hands-on healer. And then I started meditating. And so I just needed that one little opening to happen. And I jumped on the good train. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and about how long did it take to start feeling some relief and to feel like you could get off some of the medication?
1: Um, I would say about a year of, um, starting to meditate and start these sort of alternative practices, if you will, before I had the guts to find a doctor and say, get me off of all of this stuff. I feel like a zombie. I feel like Mm -hmm. someone else is driving my bus and it's not me. And, you know, please help me. So I think it took about a year of meditation, music, meditating, mm-hmm. alternative therapies, starting to journal, starting mm-hmm. to awaken a little bit. And then, you know, he started his process with me of getting me off the drugs. And how important
0: was your personal belief that you actually could do it?
1: Um, I'd say that that really was most of it. And for somebody like me, I was not raised with any religion. And more importantly, I was raised with zero spirituality. And my father actually, he called me a flunky. So he didn't think I could do anything, even though I never flunked anything in my life. Um, So I had zero cheerleading going on in my life. And so for me to find that spark was huge. And it has to come from within. We can talk to people all day long until we're blue in the face and we might plant a a seed in somebody, but they need to light the spark. It has to Mm -hmm. come within. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, Madison, I just can't tell you how many people are going to feel so hopeful after sharing this because you, you're speaking into so many people's life experiences right now Um, Mm -hmm. and tell people more about what they can learn in, in the book.
1: So unmedicated, um, the four pillars of natural wellness, it's really, it's sort of my love letter to the world. It's ultimate guide to self-love and healing, but I've broken down how I healed myself into four pillars. It's, um, clearing your mind, nurturing your spirit, strengthening your body, and then finding your tribe. And in each of those pillars, I have um, exercises, words of wisdom, my own personal story, action steps to take so that people can really put themselves in the driver's seat of their own life. And the book really, if you don't want, if you're on meds and don't want to get off meds, it can still be helpful. And it also can be helpful to people that aren't on antidepressants at all, people that self-sabotage in their own life by creating other ways they medicate themselves such as keeping Mm -hmm. too busy I mean how how many people do we know fill their schedule from a.m. to p.m. because they don't want to look at their life it can help those people Um, the way we isolate is another way we self-sabotage you know overeating over drinking drugging of course those are the ones we know so it's also really helpful to people that aren't, um, wanting to get off medication too. And I want to make this pivotal point too. I think medication serves a vital purpose and I would never tell people to get off their medication. You need to see a doctor about that. This is just for people that want to seek an alternative. Yes, exactly.
0: Exactly. Oh, what I was going to say is in, so my last book, Expectation Hangover was all about dealing with disappointment and, um, I talk a lot about the the numbing devices that we use, distraction, mm-hmm. uh over anything, overeating, overworking, <laughs> which is one of the rewarded ones out there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um even the even thinking positively can sometimes mm-hmm. be a way that we numb or distract ourselves. And and there's no way through but through. <laughs> there just there just isn't. So pe- everybody, please go a- and, and get this book. I know that it's going to resonate with, with so many of you. And just a, a final question here um, for people that specifically feel a bit paralyzed by anxiety and depression and or mm-hmm. depression and know they, quote unquote, should take action, but just can't seem to.
1: Mm-hmm. First step, first step. Um, First step is believe in yourself and tell yourself you're sorry for the unkind words you said and practice kindness. And if that's all you can do is to practice kindness to yourself, I'll take that and your body will thank you. Hmm. Uh.
0: any other thoughts, things you want to share, things you wish someone would have told you years ago? <laughs>
1: yes. Well, you know, like a sort of a side component of this work, which I love is, and it doesn't only affect you. When you start to change your life, it affects the whole planet. Mm. And if that's not an extra little boost to do the work, I don't know what is. Because when yeah. you change yourself, you're changing parts on the other side of the world that you've never been to. And it's called the hundredth monkey theory. And it's a really, really beautiful thing. When you start to blossom and change, you affect people you don't know. That's so true. That's so true. And and what I've also found
0: is Not only are you shifting generational patterns moving forward. So what a Mm. blessing that you had your son at 44. And that's Mm. great for me to hear because I haven't had a child yet. Mm. Uh, and, but, but also sometimes they can shift it backwards as well. You know, like really it can, it can create a healing. We can't ever do our own healing with the attachment of healing Mm -hmm. others, Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: it, it can shift and, and more so, you know, I, I, I feel like People jump to forgiveness too quickly, sometimes mm-hmm. too, and think that's mm-hmm. the answer. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is a lot more powerful when we heal ourselves first and we feel whole and complete inside.
1: Absolutely. It took me 20 years after my dad died to forgive him, 20 years of hard work. And one day I woke up and I said, oh my God, I forgive my father. And yeah. what a blessing. it. No, it wasn't a different day. It wasn't a specific day. In the universe. It was just, I had done my work and it was complete. And now my father is my ally in spirit. Mm, so there you go. That. I yeah. love
0: that. Ah, uh, Well, Madison, thank you so much for the work that you have done in your life that has mm. inspired the work that you're now sharing in the world. Again, I, I can't tell you how much people are going to appreciate this and um just sharing your story and your vulnerability and, and also just being honest about the fact that, yeah, like your life is different now, but sometimes this still comes up and that's what mm-hmm. makes you human. But mm-hmm. you have a really great toolbox. And that's the thing that I want to just encourage everyone else to really hear is that there's no there sometimes. Yes, complete mm-hmm. healing is possible, but sometimes... Certain things about us are just things we may live with for the rest of our life. However, our management of them and also our judgment of them shifts mm-hmm. so that they don't have to be an, a burden, but they truly can be a blessing and something that informs our gifts.
1: That is so true. Having a full and complete toolbox is so helpful. And I feel like my book for me was my toolbox and I'm sharing it with everybody else. And everything is manageable. Nothing, nothing is insurmountable. Nothing is yes. So, and thank you for your amazing work. You're such a blessing. Uh,
0: My pleasure. My pleasure. (laughs) My pleasure. And uh, that's, that's a beautiful way to end. Nothing is insurmountable. Nothing Mm. truly is. It may feel like it sometimes, but it never truly is. So, and where can people get the book, learn more about you?
1: They can go to Daily Om or madisontaylor.com. The book's on Amazon. I love it when people buy books at their local bookstore. So ask them there if they don't have it already. That would be wonderful.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, for everybody, go out and get unmedicated. Check out Daily Om. It's, I think I still have a course up there. I've got to check that. And, Me too. Uh, <laughs> if not, yeah. we'll get some up there. We'll get my meditation CD or something up there. Yes. Um, but yes, just just go in and get into Madison's world because um, it's just a beautiful, supportive world that I think you really do. You embody what healing really looks like. So thank you.
1: Thank you. You're a blessing.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode. Let's talk about something really practical before I sign off. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what that stands for. I actually don't. But what does that actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing true price from true car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories before you even get to the dealership. True car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because true car shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. And your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Podcast One has new shows on our new app Check out all the cool features to help you explore our exciting new programming Like America's Lakers Podcast with Jay Moore Sessions with Randy Jackson So Random with Corinne Olympios Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's Podcast Not Just Sports with Susie Schuster and Rich Eisen And Sound of Success, the Dick Enberg Podcast As well as your old favorites like the Lady Gang Steve Austin, Shaquille O'Neal, and Adam Carolla Get the new Podcast One app in the App Store, Google Play, or PodcastOne.com yeah.